and rainy and just generally nasty out here but the leaves are starting to change color so i'm excited i enjoy this time of year we got a shitload to talk about so much yankees thunder college football but really what grabs all the headlines right now bro Something we were talking about the other day. The NBL, you know, still letting the NBA know that they mean business. And then we end up with some young players last night that just really took over everything. Victor Wimbayama, 37 points. Scoot Henderson, 28 points, 9 assists. We're talking about the potential number one and number two draft picks playing what was billed as kind of a preseason game, but it showed up to be so much more than that bro yeah i mean this is something that we we both are pretty excited about in general to be able to watch uh what they've been calling um a generational talent and we we hear that dropped a lot um it's or, kind of two of them bro in, in right american professional sports you know yeah two of them yeah right like seriously scoot henderson doesn't get as much attention right now mm-hmm. because he's not seven foot five but when you watch him play man it's really hard to to argue that he's anything other than, um, you know, a player that if you want to go historical, like I think of like a Jay Williams or Jason Williams as he was known at Duke. Yeah. Like that guy was drafted only behind who? Yao Ming, yeah. a seven foot six player. Like some of these guys are so good that like you have to go back and be like, when would they not go number one? And yeah, I mean, I'll let you talk. I mean, I'm just going to play look at some this and, and, and I say, highlights in the background of Scoot and Victor from last night. It's, I mean, I feel like, to me, it's a problem when you have players this good playing in non-NBA you know, competition because they should be allowed to be in the NBA. They're that damn good, bro. They're that damn good. Yeah, and, and we've been saying for a while that the NBA needs to readjust their age limit. They need to readjust everything else like that, um, especially with – everything that's been happening with far as um, money goes right now. Um, we watched uh, um, Jim, um, Timmy come out and say, Hey, I'm going to make $500,000 next year by playing at Gonzaga. So now there's all this money that's in college hoops. That's in G league that these guys are making. Now you have to go out now as an NBA and readjust everything so that these younger players have at least an option to come into the league at a younger age play one year in G league by drafted by a team, play a year in G league and then go mm-hmm. play on the NBA. Like yeah. that needs to be what we're talking about because the reality is, is that, you know, seeing these two, uh, 18 year olds, almost 19 year olds play against each other. It's like, I mean, these guys would be starting on most teams in the NBA. And yeah, I mean, scoot to me, like, especially since he played G league last year and then coming back and is, playing this year, is scoot better than Jaden Ivy. Yes. Is Scoot better than Cade Cunningham? Well, I, yes, but I would say this. I understand why people want to be pa- more patient with Cade at this point and not just give it up. But if you see this dunk, he j- takes off a step inside the free throw line. Yeah. Cocks it all the way back. And when you watch it from the other angle, he's at the rim so fast, he could have done it from a step further back. So, I mean, as generational player – like you said, a generational talent. What, what do you where do you think he ranks as far as athlete score, um, just straight up baller? Where do you think he ranks as far as guys that are eighteen years old that came into the league? Pound for pound, the best player 
in the history of the league. You think? I really think so, man. Really? I think for, yeah, because you look at him, you're talking about, um, like, does he have that signature move like Allen Iverson? No. But I look at a player who has Allen Iverson's, like, level of ability to dominate a game. Hmm. Um, on top of that, he's actually a true point guard instead of a shooting guard in a point guard's body. Sure. Right? So I think his, he'll play a little bit better in the modern game makes sense um, than Iverson would fit um, he can shoot the ball from behind the arc and he's like if you talk about players who like either get to the rim or shoot the three like he's really good but then you add that elbow jump shot like sure. he kind of looks like Chris Paul out there like and he's proven yeah, that he can at, finish up against seven foot four guys seven foot five guys you know how many so how many small like point guards that are under you know six six or whatever how many players under six five maybe have really gone straight to the NBA you know what I mean? It's 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 yeah. not necessarily the traditional route, and so I don't think it's necessarily no. like um, a whole bunch of people were comparing him to. But I do think I've, I, I, it's clear if he was in college basketball, he'd be the best player. Oh yeah, I mean, if he was in G League, he'd be the best player. If he was in the NBA, he'd be considered a, a top twenty player right now. Yeah, he he would get everybody, and he will get everybody excited about those whole like twenty five under twenty five list. Yeah, but he might be number one on that list right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I well, just because of his his upside. If you give him three years to develop, like we're talking about a true all star, like, and we're talking about him being maybe twenty one years old and being an all star. Yeah, like that's how many players in history you're talking about a, a really small handful, and it kind of gets your mind running. And and honestly, if he was playing this year, he might be an all star. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I think that this is it's going to be interesting to see how he matures, and and it's come into the the whole debate, Mark, and, and this is the way it's going to be, I think, for a while, is, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, as we're watching right here, him play for, uh, he's playing for a French team. Am I, am I correct right there? Yeah, Victor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's playing for a, a team that I believe is is near where he grew up. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I need to check these things out before I say them, probably, but. I you know watching the game I heard some things being said and I just don't remember which player they're talking about but I you know Victor this, really took over late in the game yeah like in, in the fourth quarter they were down just, by like double digits at halftime and then Victor like went crazy yeah this was this was just showing what he could do as an athlete as a player and especially in the fourth quarter but I think if you're looking at this in general and you're assessing the players here I I, I think it's it's safe to say is that nobody's ever seen a player. Um, like Victor's caliber and the fact that you're seeing him play here, it, it brings back to what Mark and I have been talking about for a while. Like, where do we, if we had children, if we had kids, where would we want them to go play? Where would we want them to go learn how to play the modern NBA basketball if our child was a star, an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid that was going to be in the NBA? Where would we want them to go play their year before the NBA? And We've gone back and forth about the French League. They have some great um, youth organizations. We've talked about um, Australia, New Zealand. Um, we've talked about, um, you know, obviously the NBL. There's great leagues in um, um, uh, the Spanish League and, and so on and so forth, the, the um, European League. They have great teams, right, guys? But when push comes to shove, for pound for pound, like we like to say around here, is there's no better – league in my opinion of teaching nba basketball than the nbl and when you're seeing a player like victor you're saying oh great look at what he can do 
against the G League Ignite. But if you're looking at G League Ignite versus NBL, right? Obviously, the NBL is a much better league than the G League. And so, would you tell Scoot he should go to the um, to NBL? Yes. If you're yes, yeah? yeah. I would tell Scoot. I would tell any 18 year old player that's an elite player to go there because yes, G League is going to get you the right minutes there. and teach you how to play the game. But the one thing it's not going to teach you is how to be a man out there. Yeah. And that's something the NBL teaches you is you're playing against full grown fucking men, pushing your buttons, throwing you around. And that's what they need. Like the, the G League has good defense and stuff like that. But the reality is, is if you're comparing leagues and comparing what you can learn in the NBL versus the G League, it's no contest. And the same is for college for me. Uh, I would rather my kids go to the G League than go to college at this point because I know that the G League's, again, going to teach them the right steps for the, the NBA. I'm not saying college is a bad bad way of going, but I am saying that college should be a little bit lower on the list than everything else. And you're seeing what we're seeing here, and you're saying, oh, this is great. But when push comes to shove, Mark, and this is what I get back to with these guys, is you don't know how they're going to play until they get that man-to-man contact. God, that sounds so dirty. Um, but it's but you know what I'm saying? Like that physical, rough and, and tough and throwing them around. You don't know how they're going to play in the NBA until you see that. But if they play in the NBL, you know that that's going to translate. You know it. Because of the style yeah. they're teaching them how to play is very similar. It's very rough. It's very in your face. And I, I have to say is, for me, you look at Josh Giddy, You look at LaMelo Ball as the two young point guards coming up from this league and and I say this by with all due respect to all the other point guards in the league but those two point guards as far as um young point guards in the league those are the two of the five point guards that everybody circles and says this is the next generation of point guards that's two of the five right there and they come from the NBL and that's no that's not a mistake by any stretch of the imagination it was a mistake that LeVar Ball decided to stick his son in the NBL for a year you know, like he knew exactly what the NBL was going to teach him. And this can go back down to Dave Simmons when he stuck Ben in there, Ben Simmons and in, in, in playing and, and stuff like that. Like this is designed like this league is designed to teach you. Uh, and whether you only play in the youth league and you never get to the professional um, side, like Josh Giddy played for uh, the Melbourne Tigers in the youth league. And then he switched over to the 36ers in the adult league or the professional league. Like, this is the stuff that that teaches you. Like, they, they, man, the way the NBL does it is the proper way. And I get excited about any opportunity that we see to have a player that is a top-tier player go to the NBL. And, and you know, we will, in future episodes, talk about some of the highlighted players of the coming up years that we want to see go to the NBL and some rumors that we want to throw out there, too. But the reality is, is that when push comes to shove, if I'm a dad and I'm a professional athlete and I'm saying my son can go anywhere he wants to play basketball, where would I help him lean towards? It's not college. It's not G League. It's the NBL. I know he's going to get taken care of. I know his, his, uh, the way they play basketball is going to be good for him, and they're going to teach him how to play a man sport that is very similar to the way the NBA is played now. So that's what I would say. So... You mentioned somebody in there. Um, let's talk about him. How much do you think Lamella Ball opened the floodgates as far as like players? Because I mean, yeah, you could say Ben Simmons, 
But this idea of um, taking a year, and by the way, we, we a player we didn't mention is Terrence Ferguson, who yeah. did that from yeah. the U.S. and went to the NBL. Um, somebody the Thunder drafted, but like, I feel like for for real, Lamelo Ball made it like, okay, this is you can do this and come into the NBA better prepared than you would have been by dicking around in the G League. Yeah, I mean, I think of Ball as being a great example. If Ball had gone to college, bro. Mm-hmm. Like he would have probably flunked out, got in trouble for having sex with everybody on campus, right? Taking money when he's and all these up, other right? sh- shit. Right. What's that? what's that? Uh, being being a college well, student, they wouldn't man, get you right? in trouble for. It. You couldn't get in trouble for it now, but back then sure. he would have gotten in trouble for taking endorsement deals, right? Like, exactly. And then he would, my my he when push that. comes to shove, right, is having a, a you know a, a child, a wild child, like. Um, Lamelo is, and I'm all there. I'm I, I'm all for it. What he's doing and and how he's um, handling his life right now, um, but having somebody like that and putting him in in a place that's going to teach him professional habits, and we've talked a lot about that with you know the Thunder podcast is what's professional habits like? How to have those professional habits? And you see somebody like Lamelo Ball who's truly learning how to have professional habits in the NBL. Because if he had gone to college, if he had gone to G League, right, it wouldn't have been the same type of discipline and, and understanding of what it's going to be like. He got an education that way. And that's why it's important when you're seeing these young men like Little Mellow Ball come through and they're more of a man they were when they went there, right? And then you're seeing yeah. players like Josh Giddy that that's just changing the name of the game. I and mean, look what he did the other night, man. Like, was it 12 uh, – 12 points or 14 points, whatever, 12 points, um, 12 rebounds and, or, uh, yeah. And nine assists, man. Yeah. Like borderline triple double. And he did that in 24 or 25 minutes. And like, that's what we've been saying. Like you asked me in a podcast before he said, ask, you know, how many triple dubs do you think triple doubles do you think, uh, Giddy's going to get in the first 11 games? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite question. Dude. Yeah. I love that question. And I, I said four. Because he knows how to score more, and if this is this is what we're gonna get from Josh Mark, yeah. I but mean, remember, he's gonna be remember he's I gonna told be a you twenty year the old game, bro. that averages I a triple said, double. I said, be cautious, bro. I said, be cautious because everything that happens in preseason can either get you overexcited or too <laughs> depressed. So I'm with you, but it's like you just have to like you have to recognize. Yes, he has the skill set. He can go out there and pick up ten rebounds. And ten assists, but it comes to and the now NBL. seemingly ten points easy, but he's got to knock down that three because, like you said, he had fourteen points, but he knocked down two three pointers. So that's really the key to the triple doubles is yeah. that three point shot. You're right, and you know that's why we have Coach England there. You know, and mm-hmm. I listen. It just gets back to what the NBL has taught Josh Giddy, and why it's so important that we we see this improvement with Josh Giddy. We see this improvement with Lamella Ball. Um, you know, we can go down the list of guys that have have started their careers off in the NBL and come through the um, through uh, the system. So I don't know, man. I, I I'm a huge fan of what's happening. Ozman Jang is my you know big question mark right there. Of like, will he be good for the NBL? I, and I I saw him play the other night, man. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna go down to the G League. I don't think so either. He should not ever step foot in that G League. He's too NBA ready, man. Crazy. He's too NBA ready. And it's it's kind of crazy because, like, he's more NBA ready. I feel like than some of other uh, other players that we have on that team. And it's interesting because, like, 
if I'm looking at Baisley or Poku versus Jang, I'm like, I'm giving more minutes to Jang right now because I need to know what he can do. And is he going to be a better player than Baisley and Poku, which I'm going to have to pay Baisley, or I'm going to have to pay Poku in a year. So I need to figure out where the, where they stack up to comparatively. Yeah, and I understand you can look at it and be like, well, he didn't necessarily have a great game. So it's, it's what he showed, say, man. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's the talent that he's that he's proving that he has. It's the level of understanding. It's where he's at and the, the spots on the floor. Right. You know, like all this other stuff that Jang's doing that is it's so like spectacular. You're like, OK, OK, like, you know, with young players and, you know, you're pulling up the stats right now for the Thunder. So I'm glad you're doing this. Um, you know, with, with players, they, they kind of like stand around. They don't really know what to do. Right. Yeah. Well, pull up Jang's defensive rebounds real fast. Pull up a, a a view of his defensive rebounds. Doesn't matter which one. Just all of them are the same because I want to show you this. What he does so incredibly well, and why it's important to have somebody like Jang on your team because it's not about it's not the athleticism or whatever that that surprise you. It's what they do with the ball, and when they get the ball. All right, boom, up the court. You see that? Yeah. Right? Okay, so here we go. Another opportunity. He's there, gets the ball, and he's up the fucking court before anything else yeah. happens. Like, that's – I mean, he's Head a up, dead sprint, bro. Up. Right, yeah. Like, again, that's knowledge. He knows that if he gets up the court, look at boom, he's ahead of two guys already. Yeah. You know, like, every single rebound, it's – Boom. Steps. Right. And, dude, and that's why his understanding for the game, you look at it and you're like, okay, this guy is ready. Now, pull up his three-point shot that he hits because this is another amazing shot and amazing discipline by him and understanding when to take the shot and when to pass it up. Because, right at this point, he's already, what, uh, one for five or one for three or whatever from the three-point line. Gets the ball at, I think, the top of the key. Right? Looks. Everybody leaves him open. Comes back. He's not towing the line, bro. Boom. He's deep three. He, but look at how he drive. Play it again because he drives to the hole and he passes the ball, right? Right. And he doesn't take himself out of the play. What he does is he steps in between the guards or the uh, defenders. Watch him drive to the hole, pass, boom, and then he backs up two steps, right? And then he comes in as between the two defenders, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Every time, man. Like that's the type of play that you see, and you're like. He gets it. Yeah, because dude. for sure, if you don't need to sit there and teach this kid how to do all these basic stuff, like, hey, listen, your defender is going to be turning his back towards you, and you could take a sidestep to your left, like a even half a sidestep, make it impossible for him to block your three point shot. And what does he do? He does that. Like that's not something you yeah. can teach. He just gets it. And, and that's what makes me excited about the way that he plays and the way that he understands the game is knowledge for the game. It's, it's next level. And it's why I get excited about watching Jang. I get excited about, you know, these players playing with Jang is because he's a special player. And Kendrick Williams, man, I'm so glad you pulled him up because he scored a bunch, right? Yeah. I think eight points, but all of them were, were in a bunches. Well, you, know? you, said, you said moving – he knows how to move, like talking about Jang and that. I mean, oh, yeah. moving without the ball—that's what Kenny does, dude. 
Yeah, and and you can see it like with with Kenny. Okay, all right, freeze it right there. All right, go back just slightly. Okay, here we go. Trey Man driving. Now look at this though. Kenny's at the elbow, but if he had gone anytime sooner, right? It, the ball gets stopped, right? He waits just long enough, and boom. Yeah, and that's the thing. He accelerates at the right time, and, they, and everybody understands it's the sports. delay. It's all about change of speed, change of direction, right? That's how you create opportunities, and that's what he does. He's always changing speed, he's changing direction, and he's moving to the open spot. That's it. That's the, and that's why he's him and Josh Giddy have such a great relationship out there on the court, is because. He refuses to like give up on a play. He he's thinking about what the other guy is seeing and he understands, okay, if I move to the open spot at this critical moment, not before, right? But right at the right time, I'm going to find the open yeah. spot. I'm going to become an outlet for my man. The thing is what Kenny does that's so great is he understands the difference between like a cut to an open spot and a cut to an open spot in front of the basket. And that's that's oh, why yeah. him and Josh have such a great connection is because it's it's critical. Man, I want to pull up uh, somebody that we don't get enough love to, um, and that's Wiggins, man. Go ahead and pull up Aaron Wiggins. I don't know, three-point shot. Uh, he does has three offensive rebounds as well in this game. Phenomenal game by him, but let's go with, uh, yeah, this one's great right here. Jay Williams, Jalen Williams got the assist right here. Great job for with him understanding what's up. It was J-Dub, wasn't it? The assist? I can't answer you on that one because I, was, I wasn't. I was Well, it, it looks like they might have uh, got the wrong one there. But look at where Josh Wiggins goes. Josh Wiggins. Aaron Wiggins goes, man. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Is he understands. Boom. Number six, Jalen. J-Dub's got the ball. He's in between the the defender right there. It's a beautiful, beautiful shot. I mean, beautiful shot. So Wiggins, again, look look at Jay, Jay Williams is truly spectacular at passing the ball. Those one-handed flicks that he does, man, Yeah. across court, I mean, it's it's yeah. sick, man. And that's the person that he's going to be able to hook up the most with was is Aaron Wiggins because another person that fills the spots really well, like uh, Kenny Hustle, man. Right. You know, like he understands and- spacing at such an elite level. It's really incredible seeing him – and Kenny Hustle on the floor because when Trey Mann's on the floor playing point guard with Kenny Hustle and Aaron Wiggins, you see some beautiful assists. And I think Trey Mann had only a couple assists that went in, but let's pull up some Trey Mann assists because, like, this was crazy, man. Some of the way that he was able to connect and understand um, where the guy's cutting and where the guy's going to be at. I think we have one with uh, Kenny Hustle where he cuts from the elbow and cuts down. It's one of them. Um. So here we go. Uh, obviously, here we go. We just watched that one a second ago. We just watched that one there. And then there's one more assist right here from Trey Man. All right, and this is great because second half right here, boom. Poku through. Poku. All right. He watched Poku come down. He was able to get in the ball where Poku loves the ball the most. Like I feel like Poku hits most of his shots right there. Um. Or most of his shots that he hits are from right there, I should say. Um, yeah. So with that being said, is like you know we looked at Baisley last night. I felt like he had a hard hard night, and that was. I wrote down. I want to say what I wrote about Baisley because uh, it's really all right. While uh, you do that, bro, 
while you pull that up, I am going to cue J-Dub um, scoring highlights. All right, cool. You want... You want to go about Baisley first, though. You go first. No, J Dub is just phenomenal. I mean, look, look at this. Look at the separation he created just before he gets down. I gotta say, him out there, right there, and you can tell that he's a couple years older than some of these guys. But he looks like. I mean, look at the size difference, man, against his man. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that right away when he was out there. But he. he, he but look behind like he's him. Look at Wiggins. Nine. But look at Wiggins on, behind like, him. Shoulder width. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. He still looks small. And then there's Bones right behind him. Yeah. Like they all look small compared to J um J Dub, bro. All look small. And then he just Further flies right past over people with yeah. contact. His dunks that his, he did was amazing. Age. But he's young. And that's the thing that's hard to remember. Because so he young. already looks like a professional he's been a professional for a long time. He really does. It's it's what what Kenny Hustle said about him. Remember. What Kenny Hustle said about that? him was truly spectacular. He said that Kenny Hustle said J-Dub is a future all-star, multi-year all-star. Really? Yeah. And 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 watching J-Dub la- on play last night, like, I don't doubt it. I th- This guy is going to average. He's a point average, guard, bro. He's going to average 20-plus points a game multiple times in his career. I mean, he he's could, a point guard. He could be a, a, a year number two averaging 20 player on um, points a game. That's how good he is. He, but, he's like a six foot six, six foot seven point guard, but has a wingspan of somebody who's like six foot nine, a shoulder width of somebody who's who's taller has the athleticism of somebody who can just hang in the air all day long all day long oh and by the way in our system we're going to be asking him to get downhill get to the basket and let his passing shine yep like well, what else so do you want like it's perfect like how long can we bring him off the bench for real dude how long yeah you're right man do you think it will be a long time we can bring him off the bench dude. or do you think we'll have to be- Bring him as the starting lineup fast. You're gonna to have to bring him the starting lineup. I, I think this is uh, this team is designed to have a fourth guard on the floor, and he's a perfect fourth guard. He's big. He can hold right. himself against small forwards, even power forwards, if he needs to. Mm-hmm. I listen. I I think he's the future uh, fourth guard with Chet on the floor. Man, okay. Let's uh pull up Baisley's uh, block shot, man. All right, bro. He had two assists, but his block shot I felt like was really just kind of showing what I'm. I'm hoping Baisley will do um, this year is a better job at understanding where he needs to be. Look at, boom. Okay, comes down the lane, he's there, and then he just f- trails it right there. You see, what I'm saying like yeah. he gets out of place and then he gets back into place really quickly. That's what. Yeah, and it, you know what, Wiggins was a big part of that play too. He was able to slide his feet, get his hips squared up which is a tough thing to do because it didn't look like he was going to be the primary defender. But Bones, Bones is legit, dude. Oh, yeah. I really like Bones Highland, his explosiveness, and he's like, he's that gamer. Oh, He's that guy absolutely. you want to come off your bench that's like a spark plug that will just like fuck everything up, you know? Yep. And and what I've been saying about Baisley and what I wrote a, about him during this game was Baisley is making great plays and using his brain with bad results. It's like his luck meter is fucking broken. Yeah, dude, I, I agree with that. It was, it's like, you know how people press when they realize that they're like, they need to play well yes. to ensure a spot on a team? Yes. That's where he was at. Exactly. And that's why I'm not too frustrated about that. I, I'm cool with it, you know? Like, you know, just watching how the, 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 the game developed, you know, watching Jang, J-Dub, J-Will, Baisley, and Wiggins, 
uh, J-Dub playing point guard there, um, closing out that third quarter, man. That was beautiful, bro. Like, we, we All right, were, so I'm going to show you some highlights real quick. But I'll let you go first because I cut oh, you off. Oh, JRE with the giddy assist. Yeah. Um, but, like, to me, like, this is just, again, with this team, like, there's so many young players that are such unknown um, um, assets right now. And, and uh, equally being with that is we have so many sophomores that we know how they can play, and we just want to see how good they can be, right? Yeah. So yeah. you look at Josh Giddy, you look at JRE, you look at Trey Mann, you look at these these Aaron Wiggins, and then you look at our second group of guys, J um J Dub, Jang, uh J Will, uh and, and Chet. We want to see how these guys play and maintain that that professional habit together. But our second year guys, man, the type of improvement I've seen in this one game and uh summer league games is truly spectacular. JRE is going to be a menace to society this year. I'm telling you right now, guys, he's going to be one of those guys that people are going to take a step back and be like, what the fuck, right? Because – Well, even the Nuggets were this. doing it. They were like, Jang's, oh, he would be a great backup uh, five or starting four. Like the Nuggets announcers were yeah. like – They they're salivating, and he didn't really even show much last night. You're right. And, and if you think about when we, we have out there, we have Poku, right? We have J-Dub together, J-Will. And Baisley, all at one time, out there together. You know, Ford heavy. But you see this right here. You got, you got Poku right here. You've got JRE. Who's got the ball, Mark? Josh Giddy. He's getting right? downhill. Okay, so he's uh, J, um, JRE is making it clear he's about to come set a screen. Okay, and this is what I love about JRE and the way that we're running our offense is that what I call the ghost screen. But go ahead and push play, Mark, on this. All right, by the way, we're going to let him play through. This is all nine of Josh Giddy's assists. So oh, great. Sweet. We'll talk track. about them all. Here we go. Boom. The ghost the ghost uh, screen right there, man. I love it. Right. Finish the contact for JRE. Big time play. Um, all right. So we got Giddy on the break. He loves getting out there into the open spot. And then one hand bounce pass to once again JRE for a dunk this time. That's going to be such that's, a That's fun one connection. of the best passes I've seen in a long time. Well, since Josh Giddy played last, right? And I just don't know why Baisley didn't go up right away with that. Here, I'm gonna pause this real quick and just talk about like um with it's playing with Giddy. Something that somebody said with um you know, talking about NBL, I'm sorry, a, um the AFL yeah. Australian football, um footy as we call it, right? Like he said that you're supposed to pass the ball to open space because a uncontested pass is a better pass than a contested pass. And but because footy has such a big, bigger field, like it's bigger than the gridiron field True. of American football, right? And it's got such a big field, there's a lot more open space. So moving to open space is really critical. And when you have a point guard who likes to dribble the shit out of the ball, it's almost like you have to go to him to get the ball mm -hmm. a lot of times. But with Giddy, if you want the ball, what you'll see here and what we've already noticed a few times is you go to the open space. And Giddy will lead you. He'll know you're open more than you do. So move to the open space. And in doing that, there's opportunities, right? Sometimes you don't even know you're open until he picks up his dribble. But yeah. that's not a dead ball move, even though I mean, he, the, the ball is the dead. Space is so tight, though. Think about this. Space. Right. You know, like, boom. I, I remember when I was coaching, I always had trouble with players. I would say, you know, like, 
a defense will set up, right? And then you'll have your offense and the offensive player will move and they'll think, well, okay, we need to do this for the offensive set. We need to move to where the defense is. Sure. Like, no, move to the open spot. The ball will find you in the open spot. But, you know, you're, you're coaching kids and it's almost like they think um, it's like baseball where like that that's a base and you have to go stand there on the base next to the other person and then we're going to sure. throw the ball in. So many contested balls. But anyway, my point is Josh Giddy is always moving the ball to the open spot. That's the key. And it doesn't mean he's not going to have turnovers, right? But like you can handle turnovers when people are making mistakes in the doing the right aggressive moves, right? That's the key. Yeah, Keep man. Keep your hands and, ready because the ball is going to find you. Yeah, and if you look at the way that these the top tier teams in the NBA are designed, uh, we're going to be a lot of teams kryptonites because we go downhill, we drive hard, and we dish the ball for wide open threes, and we yeah. play defense. At a very high level. So a lot of these teams that are going to be playing against us aren't going to be ready for it. And and I think it's just going to be one of those things where it's just going to be like, okay, this is what they can do without Shea. This is what they can do with Shea. Oh, and this is what they can do with Chet. You know, like, I, I listen, people are stoked about Victor like, like he should be. But if there's one person that could stop him in the league or will be in the league in the NBA, it's Chet. Yeah, you know, like that—that's gonna be his kryptonite. So we're talking about kryptonite out here. Like the reality is, this team is designed for that. And if you look at the way that we played even last night with Coach D and how he's been able to get motivate these guys, like I saw ninety-second increments where we didn't play well. Yeah, but it wasn't like three or four minutes like we saw last year, or the year before. It was ninety seconds, boom, snapped out of it. And typically, it was it was generated by a substitution that he made, you know, and, and, and yeah. seeing that I was, I was really fucking impressed with the way that coach D play or uh, coach last night or uh, two nights ago. Like, listen, I totally get it. And I totally respect the, those people out there that are saying it's only a summer league game. It's only preseason. I get that, but good coaching is good fucking coaching. Like you can't disguise like even preseason, when a team has a bad coach, you can't disguise that. You can watch a team play and say that that they have a shitty ass motherfucking coach. Yeah. Coach D, Coach Dagnot is for real, bro. Like he is yeah. a premier coach in the league, and it is gonna be on fleek this next year for sure. All right, man. I agree, dude. We got some Trey Man three pointer highlights here. He was scoring all sorts of different ways, but his shot from behind the arc looked as good as I've ever seen it. Mm. Last year he showed the capacity to do great things in short spurts. The question is, can he become more consistent? And without once again getting too excited over a preseason game, I saw him going into things that he did. He does really well, a lot faster, a lot smoother, and he looks bigger to me. He looks like he's continued to grow. Sure. That was something he kind of alluded to that he might still be growing when we drafted him. What do you think, bro? Oh, yeah. I think he's put on at least an inch, maybe an inch and a half, if not more, because you see him next to Zhang. And Jang is a legit 6'10". And, yeah. you know, like, he does not look like four inches shorter than him. So I think there is definitely an opportunity that that he did grow there. And I'm excited about that because, let's just put it out there, Trey Mann, to me, is one of those wild cards. If he turns out to be as good as we think he could be, you know? Like, 
Yeah. Again, we're talking about one of the most solid def- or, um, bench teams in the league, and all of a sudden adding these pieces, like we're not going to have enough space for them. And I love that. So here we are, going to watch a couple of Josh Giddy threes. He made oh. both of them, bro. And it's there's so been sick. a lot of talk about this new coach, Chip England. And I don't think I can see anything that's different about Giddy's shot, but. Yes. yes. Other than it went in. So much, bro. <laughs> like, it, it, the ball. There's for no. Two, there's, we'll take it. All right, listen. Remember his shot last year where we were like, there's like a hitch in it almost? Like he's going up and it's like, it was like almost a pause, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's nothing here, bro. Like, it's. Oh, man, go back. Just go back. Like, go slow. <laughs> can you go slow? I don't think you can go slow mo. <laughs> but if you could, you, I would want to see this in slow mo because of the way that. Like he goes up, and what I noticed there was no, there was no hitch, there was no like anything like that. It was just pure, like just beautiful movement. Nothing, nobody's coming. Look it's at like that. he's been working with his. Look mom at that, bro! Too. And he's She's he squared shooter. up. He follows through. Yeah, bro. His shots, his shot is looking beautiful. Like this is this is all and this it's hard tr- work. It's true transition. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't take his – I mean, he, it's a quick shot, man. That's not a slow shot. Yeah. Well – It's not like Kevin Kevin Garnett taking a shot, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, bro. Oh, like, it's so Like exciting. a lot. And one of those things that we really like to get pumped up about, bro, is Lindy Waters. Um, Love that kid, Speaking man. of smooth shots, smooth, you know, when you talk about Giddy so far, we're talking about Trey Mann. You know, knocking down shots. But here's Lindy Waters out there just really giving everybody in Oklahoma something to be proud of. What a pure shot. And then he comes back and he knocks one down from, like, the exact same place in the exact same play. Like, they're like, we're not going to take you seriously. I mean, it's those shots shot. won us the game, bro. It's a pure shot. Like, hey. I know we won by more than that, but they, so, they were, like, going to give us a, a, a legit – contest you know give you guys uh you know all your listeners from australia that are in new zealand that are listening to us and all over the world lindy waters from the oklahoma city thunder he played with trey man or trey man he played with uh trey Trey young Young. in high school all right guys um we got a bunch of video of them playing together out there uh they looked great together and you can see the shooting mechanics are there for lindy waters um and i want to ask too uh i know we have a lot of listeners out there from oklahoma um, somebody get in touch with us. Uh, they talked about uh, where Lindy Waters uh, grew up in the area that he grew up and also um, what Native American tribe he belongs to. I would love to know more information about that uh, because the way that he plays and the way that he hustles, I, I get really, really excited about uh, what he can do as an individual. And I really hope that he's going to be on this team for a lot longer. And, you know, as the process goes, like I like to know more and more about these informations. I, I I know that he went to uh, more as in high school and stuff like that, but I don't know where he went in grade school or anything else like that. Yeah, it was actually he was at Norman, I think Norman North. Oh, Norman North. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah. Um. So again, like I, I'm one of those guys that just like to know the history of each of these players. And if you guys have any information on Lindy Waters, I would love to know about it. So reach out to us. Right on, man. And this is um, some highlights here of Josh Giddy's all of his buckets and then we're we're gonna go ahead and call it we have so much more to talk about but we have we got to move past the thunder so (laughs) (laughs) this is 
all of his um, shots. So you're going to see a couple of the shots you already saw his three-point makes, but I think it's just impressive his variety of shot-making ability. This was a really a great game for him. I feel like he, with everything that's happened this summer, it's become once again apparent that he's going to have to step up in a different way. Um, well, that was just two shots there, so I'm not exactly sure what happened to the rest, but like, let's face it, like he is, we're benefiting from all of his um, work, yep. hard work over the summer, but also the experience that he's put in from last year. Yeah. Like you can see, like he understands when he has a um, defender at a disadvantage and he knows what to do this year coming into the season. I felt like last year, um, ex like when you watch him, like he would get out there and it's, the first thing he would do is be like, get the ball and pound it in, the rock in and try to go as fast as he could. And just always trying to create tempo. Yeah. Right. This year he knows when he has the step or not. Mm. And then he, he goes and he uses that same aggression, but he knows when. I think that's one of the biggest things that you see about him. And then all of a sudden you mix in the fact that like J-Dub is where he's at. Like, I think we already have our, like, I, I was like, man, it's it's tough to see Teo Maladon go. I wish we were going to keep him, but like, J-Dub took his spot. Bro. He did. There was, like, he pushed everything around, and now we're looking at it like, I don't, I don't even, maybe I'm wrong about who took whose spot, but in the end, J-Dub has me so excited about that second point guard role i i mean i it's incredible he's he, he's really good yeah and and before we get going anywhere else i just want to talk about kenny hustle effect real fast we watch bodies hit the floor all fucking night guys taking charges guys trying to take charges trey man's on the floor taking a charge and got called for a non-charge listen this is not a coincidence all right this is going to be seen all over the nba a whole lot more the charge is becoming more part of the game, and that's why when we see Kenny Hustle teach his guys how to do this, it's important to have somebody like Jay Will, who is probably the greatest charge taker in college history, in college basketball history. So I look at this and I say, this is going to be exciting watching this team because we're going to cause so many teams such massive fucking headaches. Uh, we're going to frustrate fans like they're like nobody's business because what we do is we're like a little fucking cockroach and we just crawl right into some area and we just have babies everywhere and we're going to fuck up teams right and left this year. And if anybody thinks that we're not going to win 30 games, you just guys don't understand really where we're at right now. And I'm glad you pulled this up because this is how Mark and I played basketball when we were growing up. All right, man. Well, bully ball, bully ball right here, man. Mark would be talking shit to me as a smaller guy. Mad shit. Get me a little pissed off. Right. And I'm like, stop it. All right, that's it, motherfucker. You're going down. <laughs> yep. Every time, bro. You know what it. I'm saying? That was about it, man. That's it, man. Mark would be <laughs> you, beating me. Beating up on like, your brother and feeling like Shaq. Four nothing, five nothing in a game to 11, and I would just start beating you up, and then I would end up winning. So. <laughs> that's that's the truth, man. And look, I feel that's I feel bad about it, to do the thunder. you know, but. That's what they're going to try yeah, to do with the Thunder. That's it, they're going to be like, oh, you're young. We're going to bully you. But we got guys with skills, man, and we're going to be fucking them up. They don't know it, man. They don't know it yet. We're going to be coming because, at them from all angles. Yeah. They're still looking at us and saying, oh, they're young. Well, we're ready to fight, bro. We are ready to fucking fight, dude. So we got a lot to talk about, but 
One thing that does not give us any pleasure to talk about is our good friend Tom Brady did not listen to us. Did not, And we try to give him some really good advice. And I understand he's the GOAT. Why would he listen to us? But in the end, at this point, we're hearing rumors that him and Giselle have hired divorce attorneys. So it sounds like um, football won. Tom Brady, Giselle, they lost. Football wins, though, right? Yeah, and and if I was Tom Brady right now, my first phone call would be to Kim Kardashian. I'd be asking her for the easy hookup because, like, what better way of getting back at everybody than going after Kim Kardashian? So, Tom Brady, make the phone call. Get that shit done. We want to see that in the news. All right. So, if you didn't listen to us the first time, then I'm pretty sure you'll listen to us this time. But... Yeah, I mean, our our advice is just to hang it up and and listen to his wife and and recognize like, like your career's over. I get it. You want another chip? Everybody wants ten, you know, but not everybody can get ten. Man. So he's sitting there being like, I think he's at eight. We decided we, we counted him up. Seven. That's right. Seven. Three missed opportunities. And really, if you think about it, like those missed opportunities are what are burning him right now. So in a big way. Eli Manning really caused this divorce. Yeah, this is, I mean, you can pat Eli Manning on the back and say, well done, well done. And yeah. the other thing I want to say this out here is the other New York quarterback, uh, Wilson, he threw it out there that he is ready to play ball with a Giselle. He wants Giselle coming over and hanging out with him. So the the NFL is not going to wait for Tom Brady to get a divorce, it doesn't look like. I think every NFL player is dialing the number because they're like, hey, listen, Tom, you know, you fucked up, man. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting argument, too. Like, people were like, hey, is it Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? I think Tom Brady was able to show that it was mostly him. Sure. But now the question, is it Tom or is it Giselle? What really causes championships? We'll find out the hard way. Dude. Zach Wilson, it's on you, bro. If you if you get with Giselle and you win a championship, then we're going to be like, well, I'm not going to even finish. Greatest ever, baby, Giselle. Yeah. Oh, shit, bro. Uh, yo, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. let's just keep going down NFL. Uh, Tua has been told by a CTE expert that he's the person that helped Will Smith do the whole concussion movie, right? Yeah. If you guys haven't seen it yet. It's a, a movie about concussions and how brain injuries. He's the one yeah. that helped uh, Tom Brady put it together. He comes out this week and says, Tua, you need to retire. What they did to you is wrong. You need to retire. How do you feel? I mean, I think I said those exact words and I think we pissed off quite a few people, um, even though we don't have that many people listening. <laughs> like, the truth is, when you straight up look at it, like, you have to ask yourself one question. Hmm. And that's it. Like, how many more times can you afford to get hit that way? Oh, yeah. And if the answer is none, then you don't belong out there. I mean, I remember with, with Peyton Manning... Like, after he had his neck and back fused or whatever they did, like, that procedure, I felt uncomfortable watching him play. I did, too. I lived in Denver. I was cheering for them, and they won a Super Bowl. It was great, but we all knew he could not afford to get hit the same way that he had been hit earlier. So he had all these ways of getting rid of the ball really fast, not letting – 
you know, defenses get after him, and, and I get it. Like, those are self-defense mechanisms. But the reality is, anytime you see a player, especially a young player, but either way, where you're like, ah, uh, yeah, you can't afford to get hit that way. And that's what this CTE expert told him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know you're exactly right. the lingo or anything, but what he said to him essentially was, you can't afford another one of those. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing I get concerned about is watching these players do that. And, it, you know, it's something that we've talked a lot about is this game is about money, and it's about money across the board. And I, I, I struggle at watching the NFL like this when a player like Tua who's young and, again, I think it's well documented that I spent time in Eva Beach with it around his family. Like, we love Tua. We love Tua. And then this stuff happens. Like, listen, it's malpractice by by teams, by the NFL, by the CTE expert. It's everybody. Tua, it's their fault. Tua and needs to sue him. the NFL for two hundred one hundred and fifty million dollars, bro. Yeah. You said two fifty. I said one fifty, but yeah, two. I said two fifty. Sure. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that going after the NFL is the only way shit gets done. And Tua, yep. he can either take one for the team which we don't want to see Tua stop playing basketball unless it's best for his Football, health. Yeah. Or yeah. we can see another situation that happened. To me, this is a perfect situation for the NFL to eat its own words. I hope that Tua goes after the NFL. Um, you know, it's again, it's about money, you know. And dude, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, I think it's incredible that it's happened right after we started this podcast, but the two games in five days and two concussions disgusting and honestly other than that one guy getting fired okay that doesn't fix the protocols that he was following oh it's his fault well dude he wasn't he, like, he you didn't can pass follow the that protocols. shit and not be okay we don't know this do we well that's what it said is like he got fired because he didn't follow all the protocols as they were told like you that, know what? But here's the, the protocols thing, are that's broken. A, that's them covering their own ass, bro. Come on. Right, exactly. They need to fix it. The only way to fix it, to legitimately fix it, is for somebody to say this negatively affected my life, my ability to make a living, and like it becomes the saddest thing in sports, which is a cautionary tale. You're right. But we, I mean, how many more players have to go through this? And and you go and you look at some of these players who have had the long-term effects of CTE and they've studied their brains after like suicide and, and various things like junior Seo and like these players I could go on and on and on. And it's devastating what it does to their family as it winds their time down. He needs to get healthy. Like look at a guy like Ricky Williams. People judged him for walking away early. Andrew Luck, people judged him for walking away early, but at some point you have to say it's a game and my health it's not a game. Yeah. And though, like, if, if you can play it, and it's not risking your health like that, your your mental health and and fine. But once it is, you got to say like, that's not what I'm gonna do with my life. I'm not here to fucking become a martyr. Yeah. Well, and and you look at people like Tom Brady, and it's just like, damn, you know, like, here he is, you know, knocking on the door to being a senior citizen, and he's still out there playing. It's like, like if he gets hit really fucking hard. Like, what are we talking? Are we talking about the first death on the field? I mean, I, I hate saying that old men are going to die on the field, but, like, that's the reality of what we're talking about. Is it a league that they don't protect the players? 
you know, and and I I get I get scared. I get I get a little fed up with uh, the whole aspect of what could go wrong in the game. And and so you know what we dude, watched a Jets player. I'm Mark. just gonna I'm gonna definitively say I stand with Giselle. Yeah, there she's she wants what's best for Tom. And Tom, Tom wants what's best for him. He's addicted to taking those snaps between guys' legs, and once you get addicted to that that butt snuff then it's hard to walk away right. even if Giselle's I got a, like... I got a serious question for you. Let's say <laughs> Tom Brady's your quarterback and and you're the snapper, right? You're the center. Right? Yeah. Do you take a shower before the game? Do you wipe your ass after you take a shit? Give Tom Brady something a little bit more to smell on? No. You're not a, you're not buying it. Yeah, that? man. Okay. I think I I think you'd have to feel a certain way about somebody to make them want to experience that. But I mean, in the end, how I mean, I don't know who this guy is, right? But theoretically, if he lost a Super Bowl to Tom, I mean, it would be be a good way of like letting him know, fuck you. But who knows? Who who knows how many guys have lost Super Bowls to Tom Brady? Yeah. Right? Between either the playoffs or or actually at the same Super Bowl, like how many it's like with Michael Jordan. How many Matt, times ask Matt Ryan. Ask Matt Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, how many times did he have you know, teams that like were great that they played against, like those Pacers teams or those Knicks oh, teams, or those Heat teams, they just demoralized and they had to go back to the drawing board and tear it all down. Yep. But you're right, man. Anyway, so I, I I look at it like this: like even though Tom is losing, the rest of society is getting a win. Yeah, no doubt. We we get to watch Tom Brady play for a couple more years. It looks like. Um, what about this? Speaking of quarterbacks, man. Um. You, All right. you hear so, this whole nonsense going on right now in uh, Dallas where Jerry fucking Jones comes out and says uh, he doesn't know if Dak's going to be back or not. Like, why are they still talking about Dak being their starting quarterback? Like, here we have well, a redheaded Richard cowboy. Richard Sherman hit it on the head, right? What? Richard Sherman hit it on the head, didn't he? What's that? He said this isn't a QB controversy, but... Dak makes too much money. Ooh. That's so it's all problem. about money then, huh? Right. But do you think right, so, do you think if Rush goes out there and let's just say he wins again this next week, he has five wins in a row, can you as a team take away that starting position and give it to Dak if he's still not fully healthy? Only if you want him to fail. So essentially if Dak is feeling pressure and he's trying to get back sooner and he acts like things right. are better or whatever and he's 100%, they say, like, are we talking another situation like Tua where Tua might have felt pressure behind him and that's why he tried to get back in the game? Bro, like, I here's the thing. Like, it's one thing when you're talking about football, but this thing, this happens in every sport, right? You're talking about KD coming back the other day to the finals. Like, ownership is always pressuring players to play through injuries, which – is stupid because mm. long range, but whatever. Like they think about things one game at a time. I think as an owner, you would want to think about the longevity of the contract and yeah. your investment in that player. But in the end, it's like this is this is Jerry Jones' mind games. Like okay, it's he wants Dak to play better. Yeah, but if Dak, if they if they're comparable, then yeah, he's gonna go with Cooper Rush and move past Dak faster 
like because it's he's affordable Dak is expensive like I think yeah I mean Richard Sherman tends to only spit truth so he's sitting here saying like this is you know this is how the the NFL goes and it can like if you look at what happened in Seattle like the Legion of Boom it it fell apart because they were not willing to pay the players what they were worth yeah they knew what they were worth yep they knew what other people would pay them but like you go around and it's like okay well at some point how good you are really is irrelevant hmm. the only thing that matters is how much you're pay- getting paid and then they're just gonna make it you know make that decision sure what uh i mean is there a team that would take on a contract like that size if you're if you're going to commit to cooper rush yeah who would take who would take him on you think Maybe like the 49ers, like if they're real. I mean, I know Jimmy G's getting it done, but um, maybe Seattle. Let me ask you this. If you're um, Jerry Jones in the front office there, if a team comes up and offers you two first-round picks for Dak, does does Jerry take that? Yeah. Really? I mean, I, I say yeah. two first-round draft picks. You could say two, two first-round draft anyway. picks, an offensive lineman, and – uh, a few second and third rounds rounders. Yeah, man, I don't know. Hey, listen, he's worth he's worth five picks, man. No, he's not. Dak. Nah. I think he is, man. I think Here's, I think to I the mean, right team that's desperate because their quarterback but goes that's, down. Okay, fine, fine. With with that, like, okay, to the right team. Just the fact that there isn't any of those teams. Like, I mean, I maybe but I look at the Panthers, man. I mean, if I'm the Panthers, I'm looking at Dak and I'm saying, I think Dak has a better chance at leading us here. We have to roll the dice on this motherfucking shit. Like, they've got the rest of the shit worked out almost. Yeah. I don't know, I man. Mean, it's I, like, I know it's, like it's Cowboys NBA, bro, and we love talking about the, the Cowboys. NBA, so Five first-round picks is something that you see take place. No, I'm saying five picks. Like, like one or two first-rounders, second-rounders, third-rounders, and stuff like that. Like... Like the NFL values their picks way differently than the NBA. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, you know. So maybe all right. So I was misunderstanding. So may, maybe, maybe a combination of five picks. But I, I mean, once again, like who's giving up five picks? You know, like a, a quarterback hungry team, the Vikings. Okay, so okay, so <laughs> we'll go. Um, the Texans. Yeah, there you go. Right. Sure. They need another quarterback. Maybe they're in desperation mode with it. They, but I mean, in the end. Like, it, I mean, it's all about money. It's not about what Dak can get in the trade market. It's True. about finding a way like, to – I think Jerry's looking at this and saying, like – I like Rush, man. I, I like, yeah, I mean, I like, I like the, him. the affordability. So, I don't know. I don't dude. know. I, I I could be wrong. I like Micah Parsons. I was watching some more of his highlights. I could be wrong. And Cowboys could be winning I think, these games. Um, we've been talking about him a lot. But, dude, like, when you watch um, Reggie White – when he played for like the Eagles or sure. the the Packers, the way yep. he, they call it the hump move, but he would push people over when they were moving backwards, and like he the his ability to do that, it's like man, you watch those great pass rushers, like I can't help it. You sent me some video of Lawrence Taylor, like I don't know, it's it's what's really so great about football at its best, like American football, like is when you can have great quarterbacks against great pass rushers and it's such a chess match and 
I don't know. You sent me a video of um, Eric Dickerson talking about blocking Lawrence Taylor yep. and him th- he threatened to kill him and it like made him like take himself out of the game because he was so like so nervous about Lawrence Taylor coming after him but <laughs> it's the game like, great dude kind of like one of those moments where you would uh, chase me around with the uh, coat hanger after I beat you up yeah, <laughs> like, well like I just did something to you and then it's going to be extreme when Lawrence Taylor comes after you and he's like I, I don't want any part of that dude well, yeah, that's that's the name of the game, bro. I mean, you, take it up one. You gotta have that mental edge, dude, because then then people will be afraid of doing their job against you. But um, hell yeah, dude. All right, dude. We got we got some time. This is the time. Let's talk about um, Aaron Judge. Um, sixty-two home runs, bro. Pretty fucking special. Um, I've got a great video I want to show you. Um, but before we do that, why don't you have a few few words to say, and I'll pull this fucker up. I'll, first of all, I mean, just those people that decided to watch the game, I watched the doubleheader. The first game was rough to watch. Then the second game, um, you know, it didn't, doesn't take long to get out there and, and smash a home run, which is nice. And it was a beautiful moment because you're sitting there watching this like unbelievable feet just be broken right mm-hmm. and then what in the second inning you see uh garrett cole come out and break the yankee strikeout record for a single season which is an unbelievable feat if you think about it and ends the game with 257 strikeouts uh for the season which is another crazy stat but get back to judge because that's what we're talking about right now it, it is unbelievable to see how Aaron Judge was able to step up and do this because there was the weight of the, the world on his shoulders the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I thought he was going to have a chance at this triple crown and, you know, he might still have a chance if he goes five for five and the, you know, whoever he's uh, up against, uh, Minnesota player right now, goes 0 for five. But just the unbelievable amount of energy and, um, power and this is this is not it mark yeah this is a road to 62 so this is all oh okay great 62 home runs bro i'm gonna play this and i'll be right back yeah man all right let's see it i love his swing first of all and if you're a yankees fan or you're a fan of baseball the way this man swings is just unbelievable oh man just crazy 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 You wonder if he hit his last regular season home run for the Yankees. A lot of people are talking about it right now. Um, I, you know, NBA experts experts are saying stuff like that. Aaron Judge is uh, going to get a crazy um, contract offer from the San Francisco Giants, uh, which is something to watch because it, it's going to have to be a crazy offer for uh, the Yankees to get beat here. But man, here we go: 56, 57, 8. 59, 60, 61, and 62, baby. That was <laughs> unbelievable, man. You see that fan Yo, that so, jumped down the, the bullpen there? Yeah. But he the, the thing is he jumped before the ball went there. Did you notice that? Yeah, I think he was I think he was just seeing if it went short, he could get in it. Yeah, yeah. He was covering anything short. Exactly. Sure. But I like, think he was just doubling down. 
the timing is crazy because it's like, why? Pause. Why jump that early? Yeah, he's already he's jumping. already going down. Yeah. And then he's down. Man, how far? That has to be at least 12, 14 feet. My thing is, you don't get to keep the ball. If you're down. My That's my thought, right? I, I think. Like, I think if you go point, somewhere you're not supposed to go, they confiscate. what about all those guys that ran on the green on that field? After, yeah. um, I mean, again, there's areas you're not supposed to go on, but people do to get the ball. So, I I mean. Just put it put it down in with your balls and dude, be like, I didn't get anything. Yeah, and then if you give get it, it to out of judge, there. just be like, man, I left my man man stuff on there for you. You know, like my smegma. Oh, would you give it away, dude? What would you do with it if you had No. Because I, mean, I heard the guy is not talking about it. Yeah, he's not saying what he's doing. Yeah, he was. they asked him, and there's like nothing, but he's giving the name and uh, number to everybody. But the rea- reality is, is that. We all know what he's going to do. He's from Texas, and he's going to get that money because they're estimating that ball is worth $5 million. Like, Oh, really? They went up that high? $5 million. It, Listen, and because it's number 62 and it's been this long with Aaron Judge being a Yankee, $5 million to me is a soft estimate. Like $5 million is is what I would insure the ball for just in case something happened to it. But I'm not taking anything less than seven and a half. Well, um, that's rough, bro. Seven and a half might you might not be getting that much. You Listen, might have to if someone's willing to pay five million dollars, it's because you're ultra rich already. Right. Yeah, five is gonna be like nothing. Well, if they want seven instead of five, well fuck it. I don't care. That's two and a half million and that means I don't get two nice cars next year. Well, but yeah, but like the difference between five and seven and a half is like the difference between like one of the most expensive collectibles ever versus the most expensive collectible sure. ever. So, I mean, you're, you're saying that it is the most expensive collectible ever in I, your opinion. I, I mean, think so, about like, think about like it. this. Why not? You got it. You got it. Why not get what it's worth? Yankees, 62. Yeah. You know, that in itself is a special feat. You know, like those two things together. If this was a small market team or whatever, like then no, this isn't worth that much money. But I mean, if you're a New York Yankees fan and you have a shit ton of money, are you telling me that you're not going to pay whatever it takes to get that ball in your collection? Yeah, dude, you're right. You're right. And you know, we have seen like McGuire's ball lose all its value. You know, Bonds, you know, never took off. Like all these things can happen. But I think. Judge is the right guy. It's a good investment, dude. So let's talk a bit about this. Um, we had Seve um, get a no-no through seven, and Boone pulls him out. And he he had some trouble handling it, right? Boone's like, hey, it's over. And Pitch count, man. Just straight up. What? Pitch count, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and and I understand him. him. I understand. You got to let me go one more inning. Right. To figure out if I could do this. But the problem is, is that he just came back from being injured. You know, like he just got back. You can't go out there. And as much as like I feel bad for Sevy, I'm proud of Boone for taking care of his fucking arm. Like Sevy's yeah. gonna be Not better about this do forever, it, right? We've what? been talking about you know taking care of players is so important. That's been like the theme of this whole fucking episode, even like the last five shows. Ever since Tua, like we haven't even really been able to talk about anything else. Nope. It's just like these motherfucking bums, these owners and these. Um, greedy motherfuckers scam artists doctor oz style doctors who sit there and do things that 
like they w- you would never do to somebody who wasn't like like who was actually paying you for their advice but since the, the doctor's being paid by the owner then it skews their information and then we see bad things happening but right here you see a player and this is why we know that deep down the players don't want to turn over their ability to play to an independent you know arbitrator or whatever because yep. they'll say hey you've hit your pitch count it's an analytic decision and he's saying no this is an emotional decision and i understand both arguments but in the end um kudos to boone because in the end if you don't have people making these types of decisions then no matter how successful you are like you need to find somebody else to manage your organization sure. if you if your organization cares about what's best for your their players which is ultimately sure. is an, an investment well and you ever hear how many uh, uh, pitches that Nolan Ryan pitched the most in one game? No, I I, I don't know. This. All right, so this is a different time, different mechanics of a pitcher and all that other stuff before you know they knew a lot of the stuff they do now. But in the um, game that he said that he pitched pitched the most game, he said it was like two hundred and sixty pitches in the game. Right, like pitchers don't go above you know one hundred and twenty now. I mean, you might see a pitcher in the ninth inning on a no no or you know, a shutout or something like that, that they push the, the envelope once in a while. But they don't do that shit anymore, man. And yeah. I, I look at that as, as, as a, you know, as a society, we've changed to take care of these players instead of being like, hey, Nolan, it's tough luck, man. We got a doubleheader. Hey, old school baseball, doubleheaders. The pitchers would pitch doubleheaders. You know, like, yeah, it, we've come a long ways, but we still have got to come, you know, further. And I understand the frustration with Sevi. I feel his pain deeply, but again, I'm proud of Boone for making the hard call. And and one day when Sevi's pitching in his you know late 30s and 40s, he can maybe look back and be appreciative of Boone as well for not pushing the envelope on him. I agree, man. I think it's gonna be one of those things where, as a competitor, you're not gonna want to admit, but it's gonna take time sure. to recognize. You know, but all right, so we got this play by Tony Kemp. Oh, such a beautiful play. All right, here we go for the athletics. Tony Kemp Jr. It's hard to see exactly what proud. happens right away, but woo. What? Making his dad proud, baby. Tony Kemp, Damn, dude. Tony Kemp. His dad. Who is his dad? Dad played baseball, bro. Yeah, was it um Matt Kemp? No, Tony. No. Yeah. You sure, bro? You're talking about Tony Gwen. Oh. <laughs> I noticed you wrote that on the, the notes. You were like... Did I really write that in the notes, too? I was like... Yeah. Oh, man. My you, bad. Oh, Tony Gwen. Gwen. I even wrote Tony Gwen. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. Pretty That's great catch, though. Irregardless of who... who um, Way to go, Kemp. father is. And Kemp's dad. <laughs> whoever your dad is. All right, man. So... Oh, what about this guy? Did you see Which one? Which one? the three box this pitcher got right here? Yeah, dude, I saw this the other day. Um, Honestly, I still can't figure out. <laughs> it's what a, it's exactly... in the hands. It's something in the hands. Did you figure it out? What he did, bro? Uh I I think it's the rotation in the hands just before he pitched. Like you're supposed to hold still. Your hands are. I don't. I can't. All right. So All right, if you're a baseball Miami fan, Marlins. Baseball fan, please explain to us what yeah. he did here because I'm I'm still trying to get – I'm reeling at this because we've had this up for like a, a few days, actually a week probably. And Well, the video, you we're not even showing it because it's not pulled up. When I clicked on it, it's not there. So oh. anyway, the point is 
the video, they don't show you. They just show the reaction that, that I saw. I didn't actually see the, the, well, the motion they show the or picture whatnot. When I was right, but watching it. It was just like, bok, bok, bok. I mean, it was an inside-the-park home run off of box. Right? Like, that's what I saw. So, I and I, and I couldn't figure it out. And it's me, like one of those, like... This is where it gets frustrating, is having umps like yeah. this. Yeah, you know what they are? They're anal. I know. They're anal umps. And and I wish, I wish just for one second, that umpire would have called out, the pitching coach would have called out, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the manager and said, listen... This is what he's doing. Fix it, or he's getting tossed because his attitude sucks balls, right? That's what I would have done as an umpire or as a uh, a referee because he doesn't really fucking explain it. He just yells at him after being yelled at. You know, like there's no explaining going on. And again, it just it's it's frustrating. And I'm sure he did something slight that the umpire, because even the guys um, making the call, like, oh, he did it again. You know, like, so there's something he did. But look at what uh, Cortez did the other day, man. N- nasty. All right, well, we'll get back to, we'll get back to Nasty Nestor. But um, this dude, man. All right, so I'm not exactly sure what happened. But apparently this guy shoots himself in the dick. Here we go. He's up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can see a blast off, man. All right, and he's he's got his yeah, junk yeah. out. He's hey, saying, I just shot myself in the dick, he says. Watch my dog, and his dog's limping around because he shot his dog, too. That's sad, dude. I'm, I'm actually more sad about his dog. I know, his poor fucking dog. And he's like, help my dog. Take her inside. And he's like, gotta go to the hospital. Shot my dick. Everybody's and, like, we're getting the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah, dude. His poor fucking dog, man. Oh my you can God, start in the beginning. He's just standing there, and you can see a little. I'm again. I go all the way back. I can't see this. The shot. I see more like the reaction of like, oh shit, dude, my dick's been shot. My dick. You know, he he kept his cool better than I would have in that spot. I think. I just want to say that, like, if I shot my dick, I think I would be like. If I shot my dick, those words, <laughs> I would be yelling to everybody. I shot my thigh. Because I don't yeah. want anybody to know I shot my dick. Because every girl that he ever dates or anything is going to be like, hey, can I see your dick? Like, for all the wrong reasons. You know, like, how fucked up is his dick going to truly be? And like, that's not what you want to be carrying around. So I'll be like, I shot myself in the thigh. Let's get to the doctors. And then be like, the doctor be like, hey, listen, this is between you and I. Bandage up my leg. Bandage up my dick because you can say it got burnt. The hair got burnt on it. But don't be telling anybody I shot my own dick. But this guy doesn't hold back, man. I mean, he goes straight yeah, out screaming it. Unless he had gone in inside and been like, hey, everybody, I shot my dick. Nobody would have known why he was dancing around. <laughs> but it was like. With his hand in his pants. <laughs> uh, so I would have been like freaking out, but I would have been saying something unrelated. But he was all like, I'm showing everybody. It's, it's all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was a small caliber. Gun, I mean, gun, not that. Jesus, like, <laughs> there's no way it can go in and out and it not do some serious long term like damage. So, man, I feel bad laughing at him, but I still feel worse for the dog. Think about you got your balls there. I mean, my dick is always resting up against the balls, like all nice and cozy, you know. So, like, how would you shoot your dick without shooting your balls? 
unless you had a heart on or something. Like that makes it pretty difficult, and it makes it weirder is that his dog is with him. So something's not right there. <laughs> Welcome to being an American hick. <laughs> I would I would like to see them like do one of those like crime scene investigators like talking about the angle, like how it could hit him and oh my hit god, the scrotum, like managed to do, like no long term damage. Uh, that's There's crazy, no man. No way, you can't. Like Tom Tom Brady knows what we're talking about, but you can't shoot yourself in the dick and have no long term damage. And he he's learning that the hard way right now because that's. That's what he's just been shooting himself in the dick, dude. He's shooting himself in the dick for a rubber. I'm sorry, a leather ball. A pigskin. A pigskin, baby. I mean, that's that's what he's doing, and I and I get it. I get it. It's Tom fucking Brady, and he can do whatever the fuck he wants, and you know, pull whatever 25 year old he off, you know, the great list of female whatever, Instagram. and be fine, but. My whole point about it is, is that eventually when you're all home alone and you got nobody else around and all you're doing is wishing that you didn't fuck up, you're going to go back and to just hanging out where with Giselle said, hey, babe, hang it up. And you said, fuck that. I got five more years left. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's very similar to the situation we found ourselves in with Adam Levine. You know, like in the end, it's different, right? Like Adam isn't hanging it up because he he still thinks he can, you know, be uh, that what Shaq said like the greatest cheater ever or whatever. But like Tom, he's um he's getting his kicks from from different things, right? But in the end, what's happening? Adam Levine is keeping his wife and Tom is losing his. So so the moral. Of the what does story that say? Is, what? <laughs> I don't know. I think in the end, um. <laughs> Honestly, frankly, <laughs> don't Adam disobey your wife. Us. Cheat on her. I don't know. <laughs> we, we told Adam, we said, Adam, you need to just like humble yourself. And we told Tom the same thing. Apparently, Adam did it and Tom didn't. And <laughs> one's keeping their model and the other one's not. Damn, dude. The truth, <coughs> the truth by Mark 316. Well,. I actually started writing my own book of Mark, but nice. I haven't. I didn't have that that part in there. Yeah. But maybe we could add that, dude. But yeah. I I understand it would have to be like Mark two or second Mark, but you know, I think the Bible could always use a little bit of improvement. So I'm I'm gonna throw a book in there <laughs> potentially. You know, there, there's there's a lot of those books that have been left out. So you might not have to even write one. You could just find one that's been left out. And that's Mark, <laughs> and just improve it. It's nothing that hasn't right. been done before. There you go. Well, <laughs> stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> We've got really good ideas coming up. Yes. Um, this next episode, but, guys. Guys, this next episode, we got some breaking news we're going to break down. But we just didn't want to be greedy and talk about it this episode. So next episode, Friday, you guys, is big one. And, dude, let's. we didn't talk too much. We didn't talk at all about Monday Night Football. Um 49ers got it done against the Rams, dude. Um, but we got Colts and Broncos coming up tomorrow. Colts big game. Not as good as last week's game. Well, at least going into the game, we were excited. But then, shit, dude. That kind of ended with a thud. But we're going to keep an eye on all that. And obviously, bro, we'll be back on Friday to talk about 
all the upcoming games, college and NFL. And hopefully, hopefully we stop seeing OU find themselves on that, you know, losing the end of the stuff. But we'll get back at it, man. We're having fun. Having a hell of a lot more fun than Tom Brady. But not as much as Kim Kardashian. But we're having fun. We're having a good so time. Thanks for joining us. No doubt. We'll be back. We love Appreciate you. all of our Australian and New Zealand listeners. Again, you guys are amazing and making us feel the love and uh, unconditional ways and making those warm, fuzzy feelings going down. You know what I'm saying, guys? So I appreciate all the love we're getting from you guys. Keep it up. Amen. Amen.